Thanks for joining. I hear you. This is Odell Cleveland. And just want to thank everyone for joining us. And we just want to give a shout out to Black History Month. And remember, you could always follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Odell Cleveland. And my good friend, Alex, how can they follow you, sir? Well, my own website is just my name, alexmcfarland.com. But I want to encourage people to share the podcast, ihearya.show or wherever you listen to digital content. But tell your friends, pass this along and share it with your social media contacts because uh, it's exciting, isn't it, to do these shows and to hear the feedback from the people that hear them. And, you know, always remember, listening audience, to get some swag, the mugs are the dog tags. You can go to IHearYou.show, IHearYou.show. You know, Alex, it's, I just had... Interesting, man. This past weekend, I just had one job, Alex, one job. That's just to get a shot in the arm for my mom, her vaccine. Just one job. And Alex, I did that one job, believe it or not. But four hours later, four hours, Charleston, South Carolina, in the airport, in line, just going through the whole process and just, you know, I'm a processor, so I'm just processing everything. And my mother finally got her COVID-19 vaccination mm-hmm. shot. And it's like, wow. But it wore me out, my friend. It just wore me out. I want to commend you. You're a good son. Thank you. You, um, you sent me the picture of your precious mom getting the shot. And I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, there's this look in her eyes. She's proud of you. Uh, and uh, I want to meet your mom someday. Uh, I we hope could I get raise to that. that. We could definitely raise that. Amen. Hey, you know what? I got to ask you something. I'm going to ask you to be my coach and my, my mentor here. How do I learn to cut to the chase? You know, you and I, we did a media interview earlier today, and you're really good at getting right to the point. I'm like flying the airplane all around in circles, trying to make a point. Will you teach me? How do you cut to the chase? Alex, I will be glad to teach you how to (laughs) cut to the chase because at the end of the day, you just have to say what needs to be said because you don't want to be, it's almost like you have to frame it. You frame the questions and frame the answers and apologize for what you're getting ready to say. And people don't care about all that. They come to, I hear you to hear the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. They know we give it to them straight like 915. That's how it works around here. So we're going to get you there, my friend, because we love you enough to get to the point. Because if we don't, the audience is going to go someplace else, and we don't want that. We don't want that. My wife told me one time, she said, somebody asks you what time it is, and you tell them about the history of the wristwatch. No. <laughs> somebody asks what time it is, tell them what time it is. And so, hey, let, let's talk about something here. And as a, as a Christian and American, you know, we celebrate success. When, when I see somebody, you know, come up, I was a big fan growing up of Jackie Robinson. And uh, by the way, there was a movie a couple of years ago, and I felt like it was very well done about the Jackie Robinson story called 42. And I remember in fifth and sixth grade writing book reports. I went through this period that, man, I was obsessed with Jackie Robinson. I read every book there was in the library. And uh, I still to this day, I'm in awe of what he must have gone through breaking into the major leagues. He was the first African-American player, and it was horrible, some of what he was subjected to. And later on, some of the players that had been very cruel and very mean later did apologize. Mm-hmm. But um, whether it's a Jackie Robinson or a Ben Carson, we um, in our Truth for New Generation conferences, on a couple of occasions, we brought in Ben Carson to speak. And, you know, gifted surgeon and then, you know, emerged as uh, one of the Trump cabinet members. So 
let me, and, and there's a place I want to go with this. When black Americans of a different political persuasion succeed, uh, can all blacks celebrate the accomplishments of any black? I would say yes. And again, I don't speak for all black people, but let me say this. I've met Ben Carson also. Very good guy. Enjoyed him. He came to speak before he declared he was running for president at Greens in Greensboro. Uh, I was one of the hosts there. Uh, pictures with him, all this kind of good stuff. Loved his celebration of him as a surgeon. You know, loved the fact that he was p- appointed as Secretary of HUD. Mm. Didn't always agree with some of the decisions he made. Mm-hmm. Case in point, say a Clarence Thomas. Okay, you know when you see. Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, and you think of, for me, I think of a Thurgood Marshall. Sure. You talked about Jackie Robinson as a baseball player. Imagine this. Imagine you had a Jackie Robinson rookie card, and you wanted to trade it for another player's card. That's kind of how I see Clarence Thomas. Nothing against Clarence, but trading a Clarence Thomas for a Thurgood Marshall? uh -uh, Uh-uh. 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 I celebrate Clarence, but... I don't think he's a Thurgood Marshall in the fact that Thurgood Marshall did so much Mm -hmm. for the black race. I mean, the arguments, you know, in arguing the Supreme Court justice, not that Clarence Thomas does it, but Clarence Thomas has a different political viewpoint. But I'm not going to be one to bash another black man. Case in point, when you start seeing African-Americans or black Republicans, you know, I have a lot of friends who are black Republicans and a lot of times, and this is something that really bothers me, but I believe in people, freedom of speech and everything else. You have black Republicans being called Uncle Toms by black Democrats. And in return, you have black Republicans calling black Democrats. You still own the Democratic plantation. Mm. Yeah. See, see, that's not good for anybody, but I understand it. But if I had to be a referee, I would say that the black Democrats may have thrown the first stone at some of the black Republicans because I'm a black Democrat, but I have a lot of friends who are black Democrats and black Republicans. And so I think we could celebrate the successes as black people of both. Do, do you ever wonder, like, why would white conservatives be so enthused about a Clarence Thomas or at one point enthused about like a Colin Powell? Well, yes. Colin Powell is different than a Clarence Thomas. Very much. I heard Colin Powell speak. I had a one of my mentors, um, Uncle Henry. He was a three-star in the military. And there's a Henry Doctor. Henry Doctor, my, my guy. I call him Uncle Henry, but Henry Doctor, you're absolutely correct. Thank you. And he was a Republican, and I remember we would argue, and Uncle Henry had a very infectious laugh. We would argue about certain points, and that's when I started learning, because at one time, I was that black Democratic guy who knew everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you don't know people like that, or the white Republican guys who know everything. And I, I'm afraid I've been that guy yes. on the Republican side in years. I despair of myself, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the way I used to act. Exactly. And when Uncle Henry died... Colin Powell came and spoke at his funeral and talked about, he called him Hank, talked about Uncle Henry. So, but Uncle Henry taught me a lot of stuff. Let me get to the point. Uncle Henry's taught me a lot of things, even though we didn't agree on political parties and everything. 
he shared some stuff with me and he challenged me to broaden my thinking. So that way I can celebrate the Clarence Thomas's of the world. I could celebrate the Colin Powell's. But Colin Powell, he's a registered Republican Mm -hmm. and he's a hero of mine. However, he goes down the line. He will call a a ball a ball, a strike a strike. Uh, He doesn't always agree with all Republicans or anything like that. And that just makes a big difference. But he don't agree with all Democrats. Right. So I think when you look at Colin Powell, he may be somewhat different than a Clarence Thomas. A very independent thinker. And uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of Republicans supported Obama and said he was going to vote for Obama. But um, let me just lay something on the table. And I I think this is the perception that... uh, A lot of white Americans probably assume that if a black leader um, doesn't stay with the liberal Democrat viewpoint, other black leaders are going to throw them under the bus. You know, Um, and by the way, you know, Kamala Harris just was inaugurated as the VP and she was sworn into office on Thurgood Marshall's Bible, as I'm sure you probably know. You know what? I was looking at the photograph. Uh, and it was taped up on the spine. And I said, wow, Thurgood Marshall's Bible, that's a well-read Bible. Whenever you see somebody and the Bible is taped together, that means it's been read. I heard somebody say one time, when a person's Bible is falling apart, chances are their life isn't. Got it. Good but point. at any rate, here's the deal. Do blacks support black leaders only if those black leaders have the right politics, i.e. liberalism? No, uh -uh. I don't think liberalism, as you put it, my dear friend, is a black thing. I think that black people think all across the spectrum from that perspective. Think about President Barack Obama, someone who I'm just my hero. Black president is like, okay, this is good stuff. You know, as black people, we lied to Bill Clinton. We told Bill Clinton that he's the first black president because he got on our center hall and played the horn and everything else. And Bill was cool and all that kind of good stuff. So we lied to him. We said, you're the first black president. When uh, President Obama ran, Bill realized that we like, nah, 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 we're going to go with Barack. Now, I have an issue with Barack. Okay. One of the things is I thought Barack should have nominated a black female as a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just an issue. We disagree on that. However, when you look at Supreme Court, and I want, I want to take it back to the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court is so important to me. And I know you are a constitutionalist, and I want you to explain to everybody what a constitutionalist means. Sure. But when you start talking about blacks celebrating victories, Supreme Court is like the referee, in my opinion, whether you're a soccer mom or whatever, the referee guides the game. Yeah. The referee says what's right and what's wrong, and Supreme Court referees society. I think that we've had a president who tried to stack the Supreme Court for his own reasons. It's just like you going playing in the game. Everybody want the game to be fair. Want the refs to call it. If it's a, a yellow flag in soccer or a yellow card, excuse me, in soccer or red card, be fair. The Supreme, if we lose the Supreme Court's fairness, then we lose it all. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, you look at the process of getting people nominated. Right. Supreme Court justice. And this is ticks me off. It still does. You think about it now. And I want your answer on this one, my friend, as the white guy in the room. Hmm. When you look at what happened. And it wasn't that long ago. And I think the gentleman's Mitch McConnell 
It was Merrick Garland, if I'm not mistaken, back in 2016, when President Obama nominated him Associate Justice for the Supreme Court of the United States. Mitch McConnell said, we didn't have enough time. I think it was, what, eight or nine months. We don't have enough time. That vote, that choice, that nomination need to wait for the next president coming in. And you know what? We're like, okay, we don't agree with you, Mitchie boy, but we think it's okay. Now, the same Mitch McConnell, and this is what ticked me off as a black man sometime, trying to look at this thing fairly. The same Mitch McConnell. And when it came, Yeah, exactly. When it came down to this young lady, uh, Ruth Bader Ginger died, one of our heroes. And then it came down to, hold on a minute, help me, help me, Odell. What's the young lady's name? Uh, she's there now. And uh, Sotomayor? That, yes. Uh, no, Elena no, no, Kagan. no, no. Right. Amy. Right. Amy Coney Barrett was nominated right. and was exactly. ratified. Yeah. How many days did it take Tricky Mitch to change his mind? See, that's the thing, Alice, that just ticks me off. It's like, come on, man, be fair. How can you justify that, Mitch? How can you justify you did one thing to the black president and now you did to this other president? You like, no, I'm going to push that through, Mr. President. I got you. Help me, Alex. I need help. Give me a life raft because I feel like that's just a slap in black people's face because you took pride in denying the black president his rights. Uh, that's one of the unfortunate realities of politics. That's all you got to tell me is unfortunate. Okay, I'm no. sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, let me be quiet. No, no. I mean, that's politics. But hey, let me say this. The double standard of using one argument one day and a different argument another day. I mean, the, both sides do that. Both sides do that, on, honestly. And so I, I think that it wasn't the desire to deny a black president the right to seat a Supreme Court justice. It was the the politics of the justices. Now, let me say this. One of the things that conservatives were thrilled about with Trump, with Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, was that all three professed to be what are called originalists. In other words, the Constitution means what was originally written. Now, when Hillary was running for president, and we we heard this from a lot of people uh, that on the liberal side of things, and certainly from Biden, that the Constitution is, quote, a living document. The reason conservatives get scared and they push back against this or that nominee, a living document is code speak for we'll reinterpret what the words mean. And when conservatives, and yeah, I mean, Mitch McConnell and the conservatives, they wanted to get Amy Coney Barrett seated, not out of racism, but here was a chance, the window was closing to get a an originalist, somebody who... The words on the paper mean what the words say. We don't spin or interpret the words. We take the words prima facie for what they mean. Now, I, our culture has drifted so far from this, it's getting hard to get people to understand this. But long term, let me say, for civil rights for all, for justice, for equality, the greatest way that we can protect the rights of everybody, black, white, and every human, is if we become a nation of truth and morals. And truth is, words mean what they say they mean. We don't spin them. And so what McConnell and the conservatives have been trying to do, Odell, is get people on the court that, like the court originally was framed, that take take the words for what they mean, not for some political spin we impose on the words. Okay. Does that help at all? 
Probably not much. <laughs> not not much because usually you dodge my question. So I'm going to ask the question another way. Okay. Because we don't dodge questions on I hear you. Okay. The vaccine, let's, let's say America, and I'm getting to Mitch McConnell, let's say America has need to be vaccinated against racism. Okay? okay. The first one years ago was in the arm. We understand the difference between a shot in the arm and a shot in the buttocks. We understand that. But for those who don't understand, let me explain. It says, and this is from WebMD, so, you know, we don't go to Webster anymore. Now it's WebMD, everything on the internet. I hear you. (laughs) Ejection in the arm, you know, particularly the forearm, is called an intravenous injection. The injection is given directly into the veins. Thus, the injected medicine travels through the blood directly and is circulated rapidly in the body. Now, the other one, when you start talking about injection in the buttocks, is called an intramuscular injection. Okay. That one, it goes deep in the muscles and is released, and it doesn't go immediately. It's the release that circulates over time. Now, racism in America, in my opinion, and what was done, and you said, Odell, it wasn't racism, what uh, McConnell did. It was, what's that word you used again? Political maneuvering. Oh, I like the way you say that. You dress it up. Political maneuvering. Which they all do. Which they all do. And no one's ashamed of what Mitch did there. No one's ashamed. But let me just say, because you start politically maneuvering things, then does the truth matter in the midst of it? Because back to my Example of being the referee, if the referee politically maneuvers in the Super Bowl game that's coming up this weekend, everybody's going to have a fit, right? Because you want to think that it's fair and the rules apply to everybody. You don't politically maneuver the rules. Let me say one other thing that me and you totally disagree on. My girl in D.C., right? Speaker of the House. Oh, boy. Yes, Lord. Speaker of the House. You know, can you say her name? Can you honestly say her name? Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, the baddest woman in D.C. Nancy Pelosi, and it takes a Nancy to deal with Mitch. So if Mitch is going to politically maneuver, Nancy is right there giving him that shot in his buttocks. Oh, man. I I am so concerned for you because if she's your hero, dude. Man. She's a Shiro. Shiro. She's my Shiro. Nancy Pelosi, that's my girl. But um, do you remember during the State of the Union when she tore up the copy of the president's speech? I mean, she was so disrespectful when, I mean, uh, do you Was re- that political maneuvering? Well, now I think it reflects her character. I mean, oh, Mitch's character is political. Let me be quiet because I'm cutting you off, and I don't want to cut you no. off. But I don't want you to come on, Alex. Help me out. What, what, Mitch you know? is politically maneuvering. Nancy, the baddest woman in D.C., is disrespectful. Why does when women, strong women, have to be called disrespectful? Well, I mean, oh my goodness, she was so disrespectful to President Trump. I mean, regardless of whether you agree with his personality or his policies, I mean, she could at least respect the office. And as as Speaker of the House, I mean, I think she's been drunk with power. Now, I, I can respect the, her position. And I, if she really honestly advocated for policies and positions that were, I think, good for the country, I, I would be her champion as you are. Odell, I got to ask you this. 
sociologists document that one of the worst things that's happened to black America has been the breakdown of the family. And uh, many black uh, political policies have undermined the family. So I got a twofold question. Okay. And I want to talk about black Christians that are Democrats. Um, many policies of the Democrat Party positions and policies have been wildly unbiblical. So here's my question. Why do black Democrats continue to support a party that has made laws that have been harmful to black America? Why do many black Christians support the Democrat Party when the Democrat Party has been given God the middle finger, shall we say? I, I mean, help me out here. And I, because, I mean, if we're talking about the welfare of black America, and if we're talking about the soul of black Christian America, my God, how could you support the Democrat Party? I am a proud supporter of the Democratic Party. I'm a lifelong Democrat, and hopefully I will die a Democrat. Now, with that being said, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party has no uh, lock on God and whose who's policies support God or who policies give the middle finger to God. And I want to be very open and honest here with the audience is that when we bring God into our politics, then it's like saying, well, God's on my side, but God is not on your side. I think God's on God's side. So now with that being said, I believe that God tells us as Christians that he stands at the door and knocks. Will we accept Jesus Christ in our heart as Lord and personal savior? That's our choice. That's a choice. But I think the good thing about us having an open and honest conversation, that's it. Now, as Democrats, Dem black people have been Democrats, black people have been Republicans, the history, we go back and forth. We go back and forth based on how we are treated, based mm -hmm. on how things are going. If this party does this to us, it's one thing. If this party does another. Odell, personally, my personal belief is that I think that black folk need to be represented in both parties. And this is my reason why. Not that all black people need to be Republicans because anything like that or Democrats. I think that when we play in a two party system as black people, because we talk about black folk and racism and when you are playing in a two party system and you only operating predominantly in one party, then it's a lot to be left on the table. That's why I applaud black Republicans. Do I agree with everything? No, but I applaud them. I I'm applaud so glad them. to hear you say that. Because, you know, uh, like Dr. King said, um, that black America should not be in, as he said, quote, the, the hip pocket of any one party. And I, I think it's good. Competition is a good thing mm -hmm. in the marketplace. And so I agree with you to be in both parties so no one party feels like they've got the market cornered of, of the black vote. Okay. But now don't don't twist my words now, because it's not like, oh, my God, he said that black folk need to be in the Republican Party. No, that's not what I said. I'm tweeting I said, it now. Yeah. So don't 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 do that. What I'm saying is if you want to have friends, be friendly. Yeah. The Republican Party in a lot of cases has. I'm not going to use your term, gave the middle finger to black folk, but the Republican Party in some cases not always been as open and willing and inviting to black folks and our concerns. In a lot of cases, it's just not, just not that. Now, 
to the Odells of the world. And let me just tell you one story. Okay. Odell Cleveland endorsed a white evangelical preacher for Congress uh, eight or 10 years ago. The mm-hmm. gentleman's name was uh, Mark Walker at the time. He got elected and many people called me and said, your endorsement of this white Republican caused him to win a congressional seat. And I said, yes, that was my intent. I had people calling me and sending messages. You better get your boy Odell together. What's wrong with him? Get him back in line. Oh boy. And I'm like, no, no, no. If somebody has to come and tell me and want me to get back in line, let them come and take me because I have one basic principle. You always talk about all your principles. Let me tell you my principle. My principle is this. I believe that the Democratic Party take the black vote for granted, talking about black and racism and bias, prejudice, and stereotypes. But I also believe that the Republican Party ignores the black vote. And so the black vote is caught between a political rock and a hard place. So I say to black folk, you want to remain a Democrat, remain a Democrat. Go for it. However, when you look at that ticket, don't vote straight ticket. Look at everybody understand, analyze. And once you do that, if it's a straight ticket, then go for it. But let's see what people are doing. Because when folks start taking your vote for granted, your vote doesn't count. Alex, what would happen if you start taking your wife for granted? What would happen if I started taking my wife for granted? It wouldn't be a good day in the neighborhood, my friend. Not cool. Not cool. Uh, You know, I'm so glad we can have this conversation. It's a tough one, though. It's a tough it, it, one. It is a it's tough, a tough one because you're talking about my people, Alex. You're talking about my people now. It, it, well, praise God for, I don't want to say your people, but praise God for all people and praise God for black Americans. Well, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. You don't want to say, but I've heard white people say you people. You've heard that before. You people. You know, I always cringe because, you know, whenever you say, um, you know, I like you people. I mean, that exactly. sounds exactly like, yeah, exactly because you know one of my core beliefs. I mean, people are people, and we 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 got to love all people. Now, I know I'm always chasing a rabbit, and I want to do a show on this sometime. But I want to pick up on your analogy about the shot because you're right. If we could say the Emancipation Proclamation and then the Civil Rights Movement, if that was like a good vaccination. We need good booster shots in eliminating this disease called racism. And I think um, some good practitioners of, of good health are the people of God, the church. And, and, you know, there's a myriad of ways that the church can help our nation get the booster shot. So let me, let me take the medical analogy a little bit. Let's say somebody's got some symptoms that they're, they've got pains in their body and they've got bruises on their skin. And we could put some makeup and cover up a bruise and we could give you maybe some lotion and get rid of the arthritis. But the doctor says, well, listen, folks, you got a worse problem. It's not just the uh, bruise on your skin. It's cancer inside. So enough of the Band-Aids. Doctor says, I'm going to cut you open. It's going to be quite painful, but it's going to save your life. I honestly believe that the answer is that we have to get back to belief in absolute moral truth. And, okay, so let's say we got racism and we've got job inequities. On the one hand, I could pass a law to say, employers, you have to hire a certain percentage of minorities. But that's a symptom. The, the more thorough cure is, 
We've got to teach generations of children about morality. Look, as long as you live, all humans are made in God's image. And so when you, and this, this is why conservatives are so obsessed of, with abortion and so obsessed with religious freedom, because um, I, I believe it's never legally right to kill another human being unless it's self-defense or national defense, even an unborn baby. Um, I grieve when I drive through inner city Chicago and, and the Planned Parenthood abortuaries are always in the urban poor neighborhoods. That's very sad to me. Um, so w- could you agree in the spirit of saving a patient's life, the cancer that we've got to remove is the cancer of our rejection of morals? No, I don't agree with the way you framed it with black neighborhoods, abortion clinics on every corner and on the opposite side of the abortion clinic is liquor store. Let me say this because I love you. But before I say this, let let me do what I always do. You know, Alex, I got on this great, good looking um, chain of I hear you. And for anybody who want to look and get a mug or a dog tag chain from I Hear You, go to I Hear You and, you know, just pick up some swag. Just pick up some swag from you when you go to I Hear You dot show. Again, I Hear You dot show. And you can see a picture of Odell and his uh, merchandise and all that good stuff. And just continue to support us. And I yes. really appreciate it. But back back to your question, Alex. When you think about abortion, because white evangelicals, that's a drumbeat that's always been beating because that works for people. And I've had my good friends tell me all of black people getting aborted and all this kind of good stuff. And the lady who started Planned Parenthood, I mean, those are, y'all are talking points. See, see, I didn't even have to say anything. It just comes out. Y'all Margaret got those talking Sanger. points down, down pat. Black folks aren't the only one who get abortions. Let me say that. I have a lot of white friends who daughters get abortions, but they get them in private clinics, private doctors, all those type of things. That's what they do. So not wanting to have, we have a show on abortion if that's what we want to do, but this one's on racism. We'll go back. But the good thing about this, Alex, is that you and I can sit and look at each other and talk about abortion and racism. We could talk about um, your perception of abortion clinics in the poor neighborhoods and all the poor black people having abortion and all that, which is not true. But I'm glad that you get to voice what a lot of people think and get someone to actually answer that question. Now, the other part about the sin and the inoculation and what we do, think about it from my perspective that I hear you is part of the cure. We are part of the cure, my friend. We are the booster shot. Amen. Because we're sitting here open and honest with each other, open and honest with our audience. Both of us believe in God and everything else. This is the this is the cure. And we care about America. And we care about America and we care about each other. This is the cure. Let's sit in here looking face to face answering and asking the tough questions, whether we agree or disagree, whether the audience agree or disagree with our answers, but audience just give us credit that we're, we're, we're tackling the beast. 
Yeah. We are grabbing the bulls by the horn. We're talking about everything, giving voice to stuff that many of you think. And whether you agree with us or disagree, continue to work with us, have the conversations with your friends of different colors, have these tough conversations. And that's part of the, 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 the cure. Exactly. Talking to each other, my friend, because I love you enough to disagree with you. But at the same time, I'm not judging you and I hope you don't judge me because uh, yeah, exactly. we're going to work through this together. And, and you know what? Regardless of who pulls what lever in the voting booth, you're my neighbor. And, and I want to encourage everybody listening, make friends with people who are different than you, because you know what? You're going to find out you're not all that different. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, you mentioned the I Hear You uh, swag. And by the way, folks, you can go on Facebook and it's I Hear You YA, I Hear You. And we've got some cool stuff like coffee mugs and dog tags because you, you and I first met over coffee. So yes, coffee's yes, a big deal. Got it. <laughs> but, but, and by the way, if this COVID thing, uh, the situation is like it is that we can begin to travel and speak, I want us to do some live gigs around the country because what I care about are those young people coming up. And you and me and all these listeners, here's what we got to do. And this is so special. Just like Henry Doctor shaped your life. He was a hero to you. Praise God. We've got to think about those little ones coming after us and leave them an America that is free, safe, prosperous, stable, and a place where the love of God and the love of one's neighbor is very, very, very prominent. And, and thank you again for acknowledging one of my mentors and hero. He's my wife's uncle. So in black families, when you get married in South Carolina, everybody's family. So that's Henry Doctor. Lieutenant General Henry Doctor Jr. was a three-star general who achieved the highest rank among the 13 general officers. Uncle Henry, you could sit there with him, Alex, and he showed me how you can be very prominent, very powerful, and still just down to earth. You know, it's just like going to a cookout and you drop some fish in the fryer and you just sit there and laugh and, you know, even have hot sauce like you talk about. Hot sauce. And right we just on, sit and, and we just sit and talk. And that's Uncle Henry. And he I thank God that he took the time or he saw something in me. You know, he saw something in me to help mentor me, even though he knew we disagreed. But he saw enough in me. So part of my success is Uncle Henry's legacy. And that's why I look at him. And when you see a three-star, you know, a black man, three-star, I mean, come that's, on, man. That's wonderful. Now, he's gone on to be with the Lord, right? He's gone on to be with the Lord. He was a believer. And let me ask a question. You know, as a Christian, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. And we talk about racism and everything else. How do you think our listening audience who are not Christians, how do they feel about what we talk about going on be with the Lord? Are we saying de facto, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, then you're not going to be with the Lord? Just for the listening audience, what's your opinion on that? Well, great question. Uh, the Bible says that we have a sin problem. And by the way, I think fundamentally racism is a sin problem. It, it really is. But, you know, I'm going to say something that's probably going to be unpopular in some circles, but... The Bible tells us of Jesus, who was a fulfillment of prophecy, died was, on the who cross. Who was Jewish, right? Jesus Jewish, was Jewish. Jesus okay. was Jewish. Uh, but Jesus said, he made some incredible claims, and he said that the way to heaven 
was to accept what he did on the cross as the payment for our sin. So people ask me, do you believe Jesus is the only way to get to heaven? And Jesus said Jesus was the only way to get to heaven. And what he did, he rose from the dead. But he said, whosoever comes to me, I'll forgive their sins. And I want to encourage people, um, you know, the Bible, we could do a show about the Bible, and that's kind of been my area of specialization for a lot of years. I believe to the core of my soul that Jesus is real. He changed my life. I think his resurrection validates what he taught. And so, yeah, I do believe Jesus is the door to heaven. That was my question. My question was for the listeners who's not a Christian, how do you think our comments hit their ears as far as racism and everything else? So land the plane, my friend, land the plane. Uh, Okay. How do I think? Um, Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't know how somebody would react. I think probably some people are amening you and probably some people are amening me. And maybe some people are saying, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, but stay in the journey, folks. Even if you don't completely agree where, with where we're at right now. Um, and Odell, I'll say this, and I'll, I'll let you wrap it up. One of the beautiful things that is a learning exercise is wrestling through things. And uh, even if you don't agree right now, keep on processing thinking, but be committed to truth. Be committed to truth. And and that's what I hope I am as a man committed to truth. You are, my friend. And like we always say to our listening audience and to each other, and I say it quite frequently to Alex, I'm not questioning you as a witness on a witness stand, but I'm questioning you for a better understanding. And we also use the term not all but some, not all white people, but some, not all black people, but some, not all Christians, but some, not all nationalities, but some. So thank you audience for continuing to join us on this journey and we have to tackle the tough issues and again alex you know who my girl in dc is you know who my girl is say her name alex say her name nancy pelosi and we got to help you find a better hero there odell i hear you alex (laughs) i hear you my friend thanks for listening everybody stay tuned i hear you dot show and we'll see you soon next time